Father, as we come this morning, boy, we enjoyed summer. And uh, it just is kind of a grief thing that it's, it's almost over. You can feel fall in the air. And I uh, thought to myself, I should have, Lord, put a jacket on this morning. I thought, no, I'm going to be stubborn and try and stretch summer out a couple more weeks. And there's just that reluctance in us to let go. And uh, we ask for your favor in that. You know how we're wired as people. You know, we're as wired as dads and moms and parents and kids. And uh, kids got to lean back into school and we've got to lean back into responsibilities. And we would ask for the grace appropriate for what you've called us to do. And Lord, I pray this morning that as we uh, do the message, it will be uh, a good word of hope and anticipation for what you might do this fall. And we give that to you in your name. Amen. If you want, while we get started, you could take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 15. The uh, topic this morning is uh, bearing fruit for Jesus. And in John 15, uh, verse 8, it says, But this is to my, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Right? God's dream, really, you don't have to think about this, but God's dream for each believer each couple, each family, each church, and each ministry is that they would be fruitful. The idea there is that they would be not only productive, but reproductive. That there would be fruit that comes out of that. I mentioned this a little bit. If you remember last week during communion, I uh, was talking about that a bit. And uh, I'd like to take us back a year and a half ago in the history of Northview. So if you're newer Uh, This will be helpful because you'll be able to catch up a little bit on what everybody else already knows. But those of us who are here, I want us to take us back a year and a half ago this morning. And remember that place and time when God did something unique among us, to us, actually for us. Um, What did he do? Well, what he did was he pruned us, all right? And uh, we went through what I call a pruning process as a church. Let me take you back to March 18th. 2012. Doesn't that sound like a long time ago? <laughs> March 18, 2012. On that Sunday, I preached a message called The Fine Art of Pruning. Anybody remember that one? Right? John chapter 15, 1 through 8. And uh, the verses read like this. Let's read the verses again. I'm reading out of the... What, what version is it, Brooks? ESV. There we go. All right. I've been gone a while. Okay. It reads like this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be more fruitful. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And then those verses I open with, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Let me get there and put that out. Uh, the context of using those verses, 
that morning was this. We were just coming off the news and the shock from our annual meeting, which is held at the end of January, that uh, God had called not only Andrew Southwick, our worship leader at the time, but also Wilson McSwain, our junior high director, away from the church to other ministries. And not only that, but that morning on March 18th, less than two months after that news, Tim Caressel, who was at that time our senior high director and our youth ministry lead, was informing us that he and his wife, Lindsay, were going to be relocated to the East Coast. Remember that? You're there, right? And uh, there was a collective gasp among us. It was like, <gasps> I mean, you could just you, not only hear it, you could feel it. Like, wow, what, what do we do with that? When I found out, obviously Tim had talked to me before he got up in front of the church, immediately my mind went to these verses in John. And uh, I realized that this had to be a pruning from the Lord. And so I pulled some lessons from Scripture in my farm life back in the Midwest and laid some principles out about the process of pruning. I'd like to just walk us through those real quickly again uh, this morning. Called it Lessons from the Orchard. All right, Lesson number one. If left to themselves, uh, in this case I used apple trees, apple trees go wild and unproductive, all right? They just get very unmanageable. You've probably seen them, uh, particularly older apple trees. They just have, not only do the branches that bear fruit kind of get all out of sorts, but they have all these sucker branches that come through and, and just kind of all place. And it kind of looks something like this, right? It's just one big leafy kind of thing. And so... To make the tree, if you leave a tree like this, it becomes very unproductive. Uh, Each year, less and less apples are produced. And so to make the tree productive, you have to prune it. Now, second lesson that I pulled from that is pruning is not fun. And it is hard work both for the tree and the pruner. Right? How many of you have ever pruned trees and and gone through that process? Okay, some of you know then, right? Um, You start at the beginning going, am I ever going to get through this tree? Right? (laughs) Just... And your hand right in there gets sore, right? It's just, uh, it's quite, quite a mess. Um, and at the end, when you get done, the tree sort of looks like that, right? And here's the point I'd like us to, con- to connect to this morning. When you prune a tree, you are not pruning the tree so that it looks pretty, okay? You are pruning the tree so that it will look productive. Now, if you are artistic, you can kind of shape the tree as you prune it, right? And it will look halfway good. Uh, if you're a whacker like me, it kind of comes out looking like that, all right? Not much left to it, but uh, you got the stuff off of it. And so it, it's a lot of hard work. And in other words, the point there is most of us don't sign up for that. How many of you sign up and say, you know what, Lord, this is the year I'd like to be pruned by you? Yeah, okay, no, right? Nobody does that. That's like... You know, I hope it doesn't happen to me. And if you watch your friends getting pruned, oh, I hope I repent quick so it doesn't happen to me, kind of thing, <laughs> right? Here's the third point. The goal of the gardener is not to produce leaves, okay? It isn't about the tree looking pretty. It's not about does it have a lot of leaves. The goal of the gardener, gardener is that it would produce fruit. You do to the tree what you have to do so that it produces fruit. And uh, so... You want it to be abundant. And so that when fall comes, and we're in the fall season right now, and if you drive by orchards, you can see this, um, the trees are just loaded with fruit. 
if you've gone through eastern Washington, right, over in the Schlan-Wenatchee area, gorgeous right now, right? The apples are hanging, the pears are hanging. It's just a beautiful deal. And a lot of us just take trips over there because it's, it's such a, a beautiful time uh, this year. And you stop at the little fruit stands, right? And you get fresh fruit and it's like, these are from Wenatchee, ah, you know, right? And it's, it's just really kind of a cool thing. And so the idea there is that there comes a time, there comes a season. Yes, you go through pruning, but you also come into a season where you bear fruit, where what's supposed to happen uh, starts to happen. Here's the fourth lesson of pruning. The gardener determines the timing and the severity of the pruning. Okay? Have you ever argued with God that he chose the wrong time to prune you? Right? Has his time not matched up with your time? Right? We were kind of like that a year and a half ago. We collectively gasped. Really? Are you serious? <gasps> now? Yes, now. Ow! Right? And we kind of went through that as a church together. We actually uh, used the uh, biblical story of Gideon as an illustration of how God, brun- how God prunes. And we used the story of where God had an army of 30, Gideon had an army of 32,000 men, and God kept pruning it back till he had 300. Right? So that God, Israel would not be able to say the victory that was brought about was brought about because of our great military strength or competency. It was brought about by the sovereign work of God, and we can only give God credit for it. So the question is, why does God prune? And I want to suggest to you, it's for His kingdom and for His glory, but the underlining point I want us to get this morning is that so that we would be more fruitful that as a church body or as a couple or as individuals, we'd actually go into a new chapter and bear more fruit. It says, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. In other words, it's a natural, natural event that if you're a disciple of Jesus, you should live a fruitful life. The whole lesson here that I want us to see is it's not a punishment. It's not a result of having done something wrong. As a matter of fact, a lot of times, it's because you did something right. And then you get pruned. It's like, no, that's not how it's supposed to work, right? I'm supposed to do something right and then get blessed. Well, the way to the blessing is through the pruning, right? Those of you over 40, that makes sense? Those of you under 40, you will learn, okay? Watch the older people nod their heads, you'll get it. It's God's desire, God's heart, our God, our Father, our Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit. It's God's heart that we'd be fruitful. He wants us to be productive. So I said at that time, a year and a half ago, March 18, 2012, that if what was happening was from God, then God was up to something, and that he was up to something big. Had to be. I mean, it was crazy. How could have those three guys, none of them who knew the other two were leaving, and all of them would have talked to me in the same five minutes if they could have got away with it, right? Remember that story? I don't have time for it this morning, but just, it was an amazing series of circumstances. Not, it wasn't just big for those guys. Obviously, he was planning to do something in and through them as well, and it kind of rocked them, but also to do something big and in and through Northview, through us. We had to come to the point of acknowledging that it was his church, not our church, and that he has the right to reshuffle the deck any way he chooses. 
And it's sometimes kind of surprising when he does. <laughs> right? You don't think that's funny? I didn't either at the time. <laughs> but we had to come to that place, remember? And the question was, on the table at that moment a year and a half ago, was will we trust him? Remember that? Will we trust him? Are we going to trust him looking at it because it didn't make any sense to us? Would we trust him with it? He knows his vineyard. He knows how to prune it. My exact quote at that time was, this could be the most exciting and fruitful chapter in the history of our church. And so it was very important at that moment that we realized how important that moment was. I thought I worded that quite well. Handle it right, we set ourselves up for blessing and fruitfulness. Handle it wrong, and we lose the opportunity. The takeaway or challenge that morning was, let's take this as from the Lord. Let's take this as coming directly from the Lord Jesus himself. Let's trust him. Let's have faith that he knows what he's doing with his vineyard. Let's reaffirm our belief that his dreams are our best dreams. Have you ever come to the point of realizing that God's dreams are better than your dreams for your life? That's a tough place to get to sometimes, right? Especially when you're 18 to 22 and you're pretty sure what you want. So he said, let's reaffirm that his dreams are our best dreams, whether it makes sense to us or not. And and I, I believe we did that as a church family, as a staff, as a board, as a fellowship I believe we did a good job. Matter of fact, if it doesn't come across as bragging and I don't know how to say it the right way, I think we did a great job. I think we did that well. I think you did that well. And I think because we did that, I think God is really proud of us and I think he's pleased with us as a church family. So now fast forward today as you sit here right now, a year and a half after that event. Here we come into the fall why is what I just shared so important? Well, let's look at where we are, right? Where are we? Well, one, uh, God has reloaded the staff in his great wisdom and I would say sense of humor <laughs> with Brooks, right? And Zach and boomeranging Wilson back. <laughs> and we're glad to have him. I mean, really, you've got to look at that and go, that's pretty wild how that all worked. Secondly, we're entering into a new fall. We are now uh, a year and a half removed from that event. It took us a year and a half to graciously have everybody step out and bless them and then to go, remember all those candidating things and all the, wow, how is this going? And, and it took us all the way to this fall to get back to where we were a year and a half ago. So we're entering a new fall. Therefore, we should be filled with faith, expectation, and prayer that God is going to fulfill the process he started a year and a half ago. We should be looking seriously for what God is about to do this fall. This is not a normal fall. All right? At least in the history of Norfew, it's not. Because we've gone through the pruning and we should be expectant about what God is going to do. What was his goal in pruning us? It was that we would be more fruitful, right? As a body, as couples, as individuals. We should be on the edge of our seats with hope. 
I mean, we should just be looking for what's going to happen. That God will be at work among us by His grace and with His Holy Spirit, we will erupt with fruit. What kind of fruit are we talking about? Well, let me give us, here's a, a loose list, and this is not um, thorough by any means, but just going off the top of my head, here's some things. How about the fruit of evangelism? Right? You say, well, I've never led anybody to the Lord. So what? You could this fall, in spite of yourself. Jesus, okay, I want to accept them. Wow, I've seen that happen before, by the way. So you what? You've never let, it doesn't depend on you. It depends on the Holy Spirit, right? So this could be a fall for the first time in your life. You could be talking with someone and you see Jesus come into them and you see the kingdom birth in them. And let me tell you, there is nothing that will juice your Christian life like that. Okay? You will suddenly, it's not words anymore. And now suddenly you have to be responsible because you've got a baby you've got to take care of. Right? It changes everything from going to church to being the church and being the church alive and being the church excited. How about the fruit of our lips? That would be a good uh, sermon series, wouldn't it? But do you realize, yeah, sure, we, can, we misuse our lips and sure it can go bad and of course we... But do you realize that your lips can bear fruit? That you can sow seed in the lives of other people? Most of the time we're doing that, we don't even realize it right? Saying a good word. How many times have you been in the lobby and somebody said a good word? And you might not even been in the conversation. You were standing off on the side and you heard it and went, wow, that was a word to me. Zach said it this morning, right? The word I had said to him popped to him this morning when he was having a hard time getting up. The, the fruit of our lips can bear incredible fruit. How about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, right? Maybe, maybe you've always been impatient and maybe this fall God teaches you how to be patient. Therefore, you could pray for patience. You don't look too eager. Okay. You are a wise group of people. <laughs> You've been around for a while. But I'm, I'm talking about, right, joy. How many, for how many of us does joy come naturally? Now, it does for me, right? I roll out of bed happy. I don't know what the deal is, okay? And I'm the most optimistic pessimist you'll ever meet in your life. But for some of us, joy is not a natural thing. We are naturally dark. We're naturally pessimistic. The fruit of the Spirit. What's one of aspect of God's character that could really come alive in you this fall? And other people would notice and go, what's up with that? You've been unusually joyful for the last couple of weeks, right? Or loving or self-control, right? But there's a lot of things there that could, could bear fruit. How about... Um, the fruit of a righteous life. You know that all through Scripture, it talks about a righteous man produces righteous fruit, right? And there's all kinds of things in Proverbs, and there's all kinds of things that Jesus talks about in the parables, about the fruit of a righteous life, that it's not wasted, it's not in vain, it, you didn't just do it, and it gets thrown out on the street like a bunch of old dishwater, that your life standing right before God, even if nobody else knows you're doing it, it will produce fruit. And therefore, this fall, it really matters if we make right choices, whether anybody is watching or not. Because a righteous life produces fruit. We've always known that. I don't have to tell you that. But most of us lack the faith to actually make the gutsy, ballsy choice when we're by ourselves, that little place where we go, I will choose righteousness. I will choose Jesus. Right? And boom. Scripture says that bears fruit. How about the fruit of the Word of God? 
You know, it's not just studying the Word to study the Word. What Ben was trying to say is, it comes alive. He was saying it's a feast. Hey, come and join me at the feast. You want to eat good food? Come join me at BSF. Why? Because God promises He won't send His Word out void. That it, when God sends His Word out, it's going to come back. And it's going to bear fruit. Well, wouldn't it be awesome if this was the fall that the Word of God erupted among us and bore fruit? How many of us need that in our own personal lives? That it bears fruit. Exciting stuff. Now here's the issue for this morning. None of this is a neutral issue. This is not about what God will do for us and we just sit back on our haunches and hope God does it and go, Oh, glory to Jesus. You know, glad I got to watch that. See, it's it's a uh, participation game. We have to be engaged with it. We have to be on our side involved. It requires our engagement. I want to take you to a passage of Matthew chapter 9. That, by the way, the Lord brought to me while I was having my quiet time. As I'm reading through the Bible this year, I happened to happen on this verse as I was doing this message. Kind of a coincidence, right? But in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is talking and um, working with people, and these two guys, blind guys approach him, and it says this, as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out loud, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Key question. Do you believe that I am able to do this. They said to him, Yes, Lord. And then Jesus says this, Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. Or according to your faith, let it happen. So here's the pivot point. It's not that whether God wants to do a work or not. It's according to the faith in the people that he's doing the work to, whether they believe he'll do it or not. He looked at those blind guys and said, all right, do you believe I can do this? He said, yes, we do. That's why we're begging you for mercy. All right, then he touched their eyes and says, according to the faith inside of you, let it be done to you. Pivot point, right? Because we now get to find out in that instant what was inside of them. Did they really believe? Was it just words? Or did they really have it inside of them that they had approached Jesus because they believed he was the Christ, the son of the living God, and they believed that he could actually restore their sight? And if you read the chapter, it's inspiring because it says, and their eyes were opened. What does that tell you? It was in them. It was in them. You know what? And it's in you just like it was in them. You know why you're here this morning? Because you have faith. You didn't have to this morning. You got to, okay? There's all kinds of distractions in our culture. You don't need to come to church. Why did you come? Because it's in you, just like it was in these guys. And it says, their eyes were open. And Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. And then if you read the next verse, I didn't have enough room to put it up there, but it says, they went away and spread his fame all through the district. They could not shut up. Jesus said, all right, here's the thing. I did that for you. Now don't say anything. Okay? They could not not talk about what Jesus had just done for them, even if Jesus himself told them not to. They couldn't hold it in. It just went... Right? 
And I want to suggest that if God does that for us this fall, we will not be able to shut up about it. Even if Jesus himself tells us to, we will be talking to people about you got to hear what God's been doing at our church. You've got to hear this story of what happened to my friend of mine. You've got to hear this story of this person who came to faith. You've got to come to church and hear these testimonies next time. It's unbelievable, right? We will not be able to shut up. And notice it's not a one-way conversation. They asked Jesus for mercy, which, by the way, I think is good for us too. Right? It'd be pretty wise to come to them and say, be merciful, have mercy. The old language, Latin, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. And he looks at them, which if you think about it, it's kind of funny because they're blind men. Right? He doesn't have to look at them. But he looks at them and says to them, According to your faith, be it done. Do you believe I'm able to do this? And so the question this morning is this for us. Sitting here a year and a half later, after the pruning process, knowing we're going in the fall and God's reloaded the deck and we're coming into a brand new fall, do we, Northview Community Church, do we believe God is able to do this? Is it in us? Like I said, maybe you've never led a person to the Lord in your life. Do you believe he's able to do that? With you. Yes, you. You, out there. Not the pastor, not the staff, not an evangelist. Do you believe he could use you to lead somebody to Christ? Could he do it this fall? Remember last week when I said during communion, why not? Why not here? Why not now? Why not you? Why not me? Why can't God, why can't Jesus break out and do a work among us right here, now, Northview, Mill Creek, here where he planted us? Why can't we bloom where we're planted? We don't have to go somewhere. We are where Jesus wants us to be. He planted us here. He moved us here. He assembled us here. He wants us to bear fruit here. And yes, he wants to bear fruit with James and Sarah in South Africa and the Pentangills and the Honduras. And we're going to hear Mike Talley next week uh, and all the different things E3 does and going to Africa and South America. Yes, he wants to bear fruit there. But he also wants to bear fruit here. He wants something to happen. There's lots of people here that don't know Jesus and need to. Maybe you, like these blind men, have something that needs to be healed. They knew it. They went up to Jesus. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe relationally, maybe spiritually. Couldn't God open our eyes like he did the eyes of those men? If we, like them, were to ask him for mercy? It's a profound thing when you come to God and you admit that you can't see. I had this happen this week. I was working with somebody and I was trying to uh, share with them, and it, they just took it wrong. It didn't go well. And, and I sat back, and I realized, you know what? They cannot see it. Lord, they cannot see what I'm trying to help them with, and my help doesn't look like help. It looks like, I don't know what it looked like, competition or obstinance or whatever, but it didn't look like help to them. And I went, you know, Lord... 
That's where we're stuck. We can't see it. We're stuck behind our perspective, and we can't see it from your eyes. Could he, if we asked him for mercy, open our eyes? Why not this fall? Why not Northview? Here's what I'm trying to say. If what we went through, if what we've gone through is truly a pruning from the Lord, it's not uh, clever pastor speak, it's not something Mitch made up, it's not a spin to say, well, you know, I'm really a bad leader and nobody wants to work with me, so they all left, and now we got to make it look good, and and we drug some other guys in who haven't figured out I'm bad to work with yet, all right? (laughs) You'll learn. If it's, if it's not spin, if it's truly what we went through is a, a pruning from the Lord, then we should have heightened expectation and anticipation of a season of fruitfulness. Okay? I don't know about you, but I am longing for that. I have loved what God is doing among our church. I have loved the miracles of what he's done and how we got in this building and all the stories. And I'm just baffled that it hasn't exploded out to more people and created a greater draw. And I want to see that happen. How about you? Do you like just muddling along? Okay, another year, another church, another Sunday. Don't you want Jesus to open up? That we'd see him in new ways? I do. Why not this fall? Why not Northview? Why not a season of fruitfulness where God works among us in fresh ways that produce fresh fruit? Now, here's the difficult question. And obviously, I have the advantage of thinking about this ahead of time. So it's, it's not, uh, I don't want you to feel guilt, but the good question is, is anybody looking? Are we even looking this fall? Are we so caught up in our stuff that we aren't even looking for God to do it? Are we even, are we even praying about it? Right? Last fall or last spring, we, we did the couples praying together and lots of great stuff came out of that. But a lot of couples said, hey, you know, we really just fell off the cliff this summer. We were doing good. We thought, well, why not re-engage this fall, this September, and start praying again? You know, the, it's the NFL kickoff today, in case any of you hadn't noticed, right? And uh, there are incredible heightened expectations for the Seahawks this year to the point where people are almost physically sick with anticipation about how today's game will will be going, right? And some of the dirty boogers skipped out of church to watch the game instead of come to the Lord and watch be here. And I want to suggest again balance, okay? Love cheering for Russell. We cheer for Russell, we worship Jesus, right? Russell leads a team, Jesus rules the universe. Let's keep that in perspective, right? So let's have fun with it, let's enjoy it, but it is a game, okay? A multi-billion game. The kingdom is reality. Let's keep working it that way. But there's great anticipation, right? Husky Nation, you've got great excitement after that first game. Whoa, we got a team, hello, okay? And Cougar Nation, hope is through the rough you beat USC last night. Woohoo! Wow, when's the last time that happened? Rocking bits a whole new season, right? You guys are smiling. I'm a Cougar fan, yeah. Chris texted me at 11 o'clock, Cougars win! (laughs) Awesome deal, right? If we can have that kind of excitement and that kind of optimism, just pause for a second and contemplate this question. What are our hopes or expectations 
that God will work among us in a miraculous way this fall. I don't have any prophetic word. I don't have any insight to this. The Lord didn't come to me and say, Steve, I am going to work, so prepare the people. I just know his patterns. I've known him for a long time. I know how it works. And I've watched the pruning, and I'm going, you know what? We're there. We're there. This should be a fall that we see him work. Do we have any heightened expectations that God will do anything this fall, or is it just fall again? Back to the passage of Matthew, Jesus said to him, the two blind guys, do you believe I am able to do this? Right? Do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, and according, he said, to your faith be it done to you, and their eyes were open. Yes. Will ours be? Yes. Yes. I want to say yes. May it be yes in Jesus. He can open our eyes. According to our faith, be it done to us. Let's have faith. Couples, this is a great fall to keep praying together. If you dropped off, kick it back up. Bring it back together. Find a time where you pray together. Not you pray alone. That you actually physically say words together to Jesus and pray together. Seek Him as a couple. Seek the Lord for your marriage, your neighbors, your family. Let's be expectant with the idea of Lord Jesus Give me eyes to see where you're at work and what you're doing right here, right now. Let's pray. Can't make that happen. Not in my strength, not with my words, but if those words are from you, Lord, I ask that you would validate them. I ask that you'd vindicate them. I ask that you would bear fruit with them. Lord, steer us with eyes of faith this fall. May you burst out among us in fruit and we that you are our greatest hope. Lord, we get excited about uh, the hobbies we have. We get excited about football kicking off and that kind of stuff. Lord, we want to be incredibly excited and anticipating uh, your presence and what you would do. May you have fun with it. May you have fun with us. May we be cooperative as children and not stubborn or stiff-necked or reluctant. May we lean into it and ask for you for mercy And we give that to you, a great hope in your name. Amen.